Hey everybody, this is Josh McKinney and I just want to welcome you to episode 191 of the I Suck at Jiu-Jitsu show. So today we have a return guest for you guys. I think you guys are really going to like it. I uh, get to chat with my good friend Mop again, Andrew Ebers. I honestly always have to look at the name tag on the bottom to remember what his real name is. I only know him as Mop. Um, but uh, this is kind of a, a really good, he was kind of one of the people I had in mind when I wanted to start focusing on doing more episodes of me just talking to my friends in less episodes of me trying to get big names on the podcast. And um, I really think that this episode does a really good job just showing how much more fun in-person podcasts tend to be. Uh, and so, yeah, I really appreciate Mott being on this one. We talk about a lot of different stuff. We talk about his recent local MMA controversy. We talk about him being canceled. Um, we talk about being at UFC events. We talk about we talk about hand fighting and grip fighting. We talk about, as usually happens when Mop and I are together, we talked about a million things. And so it's very hard to name this episode. It's very hard to even explain. I think the main thing, though, that we discuss in this one is just the importance of content creation anymore. And um, we kind of talk about, you know, the idea of being willing to create content and how big of a deal how big that whatever you want to call it that market in the jiu-jitsu and mma space is going to be in the future and kind of even how to approach it if that is interesting to you and so um yeah that's kind of what we we get into in this episode um special quick shout out if you guys are i suck a jiu-jitsu show fans or josh mckinney fans i have a really fun episode on thursday coming out for you guys where i tell the story that you may have heard murmurs about at the Nashville Open. I tell the story of your old pal Josh McKinney starting fights and whatnot. You guys know me. So controversial, so aggressive. Um, but I tell that story. I also, I guess I I beat a, a world champion in, in the story too, spoiler alert. And so I will tell you guys about about that whole thing, that whole situation and what happened from my perspective. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I have for you guys. Just be on the lookout for that episode. I think you guys are really going to like it. It's one of the first times I ever talk about jujitsu drama on the show. And it's mainly because I'm involved in that jujitsu drama. And so uh, be on the lookout for that one. Without further ado, I really think you guys are going to enjoy my good friend, my good canceled friend, Andrew Ebers, or Mop, as anyone relevant knows him. Mop, what's going on? How you doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. You know, our first show since my cancellation. Yeah, man. Let's start. I think that's a great place to start because you so. and I, uh, I was the the main event on the Strange Hands event. You had a purple belt and a brown belt, um, both on the show, right? Yeah, Austin was a still a purple belt. Okay, now he's a brown belt. Now he's a brown belt, yes. and so uh, um, both guys won. Yeah. That was really good. I didn't like that one of them beat one of my guys. Yeah, that wasn't very cool. That might have helped me really affirm how canceled you were yeah uh but you know right off of that show you had just very um 
very widely known in the St. Louis area have gotten canceled. Yes. And so I wanted to make sure you come in with a camera crew like you would do. <laughs> and I wanted to just really make sure that everyone knew if I was going to be on video, that I was only speaking negatively, yes. that I was only, I was making sure that we had separation of our brands. Um, and so, uh, let's, let's get into, uh, Let's get into just your videography first, yeah. not into the cancellation, yeah. but uh, I've just noticed that lately, every time I've seen you, you have been having a camera crew around, yes. and so we can kind of fast forward a little bit and start at, you and I were just on the same card where you're kind of being uncanceled, you're almost yeah. uncanceled, almost, and you are on the STL Invitational um, one of five black belt matches, I think, that were on the STL Invitational. Uh, let's just go with what what got you to do that. What made you want to do that match? Well, well you know, uh, Adam like forced me. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting guys on right. You know, uh -huh. Austin obviously wanted to do it. You know, he's been competing a lot in a lot of super fight stuff and been upping his competition. One of my brown belts, and uh, you know, Joel was always competing and like you know, it's my job to get him matches. You know, uh, and did you? The jiu-jitsu side. Drew does all the MMA side. But I'm hitting up Adam. I'm like, hey, I want matches for these guys. And at the time, Nick, at the time, Nick Mateo was still training with us. He's in, he's at a B team, B -team yeah. now in Austin, which is awesome for him. But, you know, I was trying to get him competitive matches, especially him, because there's not a lot of blue belts that I were going to be able to put up against him outside of, like, you know, worlds or pans that are going to really push him. So I'm hitting up Adam all the time trying to get these matches. And he's like, all right, so I got... These guys matches now. Uh, what, what about you? This guy work? And I'm like, I didn't say I was going <laughs> to compete. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, why not? And then I was like thinking about it. And I'm like, actually, I'm not injured right now. Yeah. For the first time in like two years. You know, I'm, I'm feeling really healthy. Uh, I've got a lot of killers that are competing. My Nogi team's starting to do really well competing at Worlds and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, well, fine. I'll do it. Find me somebody. So, um, you know, funny story about this. Uh, I have this kid named Austin who trains with me, not, not my brown belt, he's a blue belt. And, uh, you know, he comes back and forth. And about, you know, six, seven months ago, he came to me and said that his dad was a black belt in Kansas, and that's where he learned jiu-jitsu. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I don't know who he is, but whatever. Well, you know, about a week before, he comes to me and he's like, you know you're competing against my dad, right? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, no way. And neither of us knew. All three of us completely oblivious until they released the posters, and then we were like, oh, wait, we didn't put two and two together. That's crazy. And then I'm going to his Facebook, and I'm seeing them together, <laughs> stuff Did, together. And stuff. Were you like, hey, Austin, I'm your coach, okay? <laughs> you need to tell me what your dad's vulnerabilities are. Uh, yeah. Well, you I know? mean, he, he came one day, and uh, pretty close to the match came in, and he hadn't been in for a while because he went back to Kansas City like uh, for like break and then came back you know, when he was back in school or something like that. I can't quite remember exactly what it was. But he was sitting on the mat, and I'm like, yo, bro, not allowed to watch this, okay? <laughs> Get out of here. I was kidding. But, you know, you tell your dad I'm going to go out there and I'm going to wrestle the whole time. <laughs> He's done for. I'm going to wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. In, in Indianapolis, I, I just competed. Uh, it was like the last tournament of the year for me. Uh, Junior Silva was also competing. He's competing in Nogi. I competed in the Gi the first day. I'm competing in Nogi the second day. And I'm competing up a weight class just so I don't have to cut weight two days in a row. And um, 
Junior is in the sauna also cutting weight. He's cutting weight with the guy that I have in the first round. Yeah. The dude had just won weight in open class and the gi. He was just a mon- He murdered everybody. And uh, Junior's like uh, talking to him and he's like, hey man, uh, just so you know, this Josh guy you have tomorrow, he's wrestled his whole life, man. He's going to come out and he's going to shoot on you. And then Junior tells me, and I hadn't decided how I was going to fight this guy. And Junior calls me as soon as he gets out of the sauna and he's like, hey, man, I told him you've wrestled your whole life. You go out, you pull guard, you try to heel hook him. And I'm like, okay, thanks, Junior. Thanks for deciding for us, buddy. He's like, well, he thinks you're going to wrestle, so you can't wrestle now. Yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah, that was a... It, it was it was pretty funny. I even told him I was like, "Hey, sorry. If I would have known, I would have asked for someone different." But you know, it's is is what it is. So. Yeah, man. That that was a fun event. But Adam Sella did the same thing to me. He <laughs> really did. He like I couldn't tell you when he asked me if I was cool with being on the show. It was just all of a sudden I was on the show, and then as it as it kept progressing, I was like, "Oh yeah, you're the main event." And I'm like, okay, well, that's 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 interesting too, but <laughs> but why? And then they're like, yeah, we don't even have an opponent for you yet, but you're the main event. And I'm like, okay, that's this is getting weird, guys. What's going on? They're like, well, you've done this once before. You must be a professional at it now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a great event, man. It was, man. Like it was awesome seeing people get like that excited about you know jujitsu, like it in was. like a super fight kind of way. Like everybody was just so into it. It was pretty cool. Seemed pretty dangerous, the, the setup, but... I know. did fall off the stage. You were the first. Yeah. The alt ever. Yeah, ever. And it was about a four-foot drop off that yeah. stage. Luckily, we landed on our feet. Yeah, just graceful. Yeah, it was... It was incredibly, <laughs> incredibly graceful. You're like a gymnast out there. Just like I planned it, right? It's just like you planned it. But your match, how long had you gone uh, before you... Or since, since competing in jiu-jitsu? In jiu-jitsu? God, five years. How long since your last MMA fight? Uh, almost three years. Almost three years. Yep. So it's been a while. So first time competing at all yeah. in three years, right? Yeah. Uh, how were the nerves? Uh, they were non-existent. Yeah, non. I, I, like you know, like I, w- I would say it wasn't like overwhelming, like any other you know situation I've ever been in. It wasn't like I was more nervous than I had been for any other time competing. I would say I was less nervous than uh, than I'll, I would say even my last jiu-jitsu match years ago. Probably. Mm-hmm. I was far less nervous. Um, I knew I had like good guys training with me that I probably had ever been training with me before. Like probably the best guys I've ever had around me to train with, mm-hmm. um, which are my students. But like they were, you know, I just had a bunch of guys get really serious about, you know, specifically Nogi and training with a lot of really good wrestlers. And I was like, you know, I have a really good game plan to, to, to like uh, go against this guy. And I, I knew what I was going to do. What I got him with was exactly what I've been training with for like the past like six weeks. It was like that one move, mm-hmm. you know, uh, half half butterfly guard, scoop grip, uh, outside heel hook. That's what I've been training the whole time, and that's really what I wanted. I wanted more of like a Mikey Lock kind of position where I grabbed the heel, but you know, it settled for behind. I just player, just had to know? choose the other submission. Yeah, just did. I um, yeah, and I can attest. I I watched you. Uh, or you told me we we pretty much hung out the it, it, even though it was in secret because you were still canceled. Yeah. Um, we you told me, uh, yeah, I'm gonna outside heel hook this guy, yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And they're like, what are you gonna do to your guy? And I go, I 
I don't really know, but I know for sure I'm not going to fall off the stage. <laughs> and then that was all we talked about for my match. Yes, exactly. And I did fall off the stage. You know, so it went according to your plan and not according to mine, but we both still won. Yeah, you looked awesome. Man, I, I thought you looked incredible. That, like, you were feeling yourself. I was. I, I could re- tell. I really was. I was going, uh, I, was, I was being a little more wild man than usual, probably. Oh, yeah. Paid off. It did. It, it did. did. Um, I knew that, I, you know, anytime you have a Daisy Fresh guy, you know he's going to be, um, have great cardio. Yeah. You know he's going to be able to go hard. Yeah. And anytime you fight Josh McKinney, you know he doesn't tend yeah. to have great cardio. Yeah. And so I really made sure that I was going to be in shape for it and uh, just keep on offense the whole time. Yeah. I love that. You just, from the second that the match started, you were just go, 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 go <laughs> offense. I was. Yeah. I was. I had about 27 seconds more of offense in me, and then I would have died of a heart attack. But <laughs> it would have been – It would also the crowd would have been going nuts for that too. Yeah. You know? It yeah. would have been exciting. There you go. You know? It had a little bit of everything. <laughs> it did. It did. And then Josh not only falls off the stage, but he dies at the yes, end of this exactly. match. <laughs> so um, kind of like why I – brought it up originally something that was interesting and has been interesting the last few times that we have gone to these events is you've been doing something that so many people talk about doing but the nerves of doing it the ability to find consistency in doing it so hard but you've been bringing a film crew or a a videographer to kind of document these things and it's you know we talked about this last time a little bit but not as much it seems like you've really been able to be more consistent and you know, produce more content lately. Um, But what was your kind of original inspiration for at least starting that? Man, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I'm a diva, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to document everything that we're doing. I I figured it would always be beneficial. I was like, our crew is pretty interesting. You know, like we got guys going and doing all stuff all over the country. You know, like Mm -hmm. at the time, you know, Sam was like, Sam Panais was like doing really well as an amateur. And I was like, oh man, I really wish I could like videotape all these cool things we're doing. We're going to Bahrain. That tournament that I talked about last time I was on here is probably one of the big reasons, uh-huh. right? You know, I was like, man, nobody knows about this thing. If I could just document it and show like how cool this is. So, you know, I tried, but like I couldn't get anybody to actually do the camera work. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Ryan just started doing photography. You know, out of nowhere. And then one day I was like, hey, you know, can you shoot some video for me? And we just kind of arranged like a little bit of a deal to where like, you know, I'd pay him like monthly, like a contractor. You know, every month I pay him. Sometimes I bonus him if he does crazy stuff. I buy all this stuff when we yeah. go places, you know, and he he is able to be consistent and, and do it. So I think that's really what it was is that I had somebody in my circle that was willing to do it probably similar to you in this podcast you know you mm-hmm. got to have somebody until you have that you know i was tr- i was buying cameras i was trying to get people to record sparring because i i knew that if we could record stuff it would be really good from a marketing perspective right mm-hmm. for my gym you know and that was the biggest reason right like i wanted to promote my gym better and i was like instagram and facebook in terms of marketing is is where it's at you know mm-hmm. and youtube and stuff like that so i knew that that would be the best avenue to grow my gym i just didn't know how to do it and then ryan comes along and then i'm like here you go i'm gonna pay you monthly to do this and at first he was doing all the editing for the video so he was doing less shooting and he was doing editing but then i took over the editing and he just has to shoot now so i get so much more content he goes everywhere and he loves it absolutely loves it and it helps him 
because now, you know, he goes to Revive all the time and he does all the marketing stuff for Revive. Mm -hmm. He's doing it for other people as well. So, you know, he's getting a lot of exposure and that's what he wants to do. He wants to videotape. And then, you know, he also gets to train for free and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that was the big reason. But it's been a lot of fun and it has been wildly successful. There has been, there's a direct correlation between when I brought Ryan on and the growth of my gym. Like, we were kind of like, we were doing okay, but then I brought Ryan on, and then ever since I brought Ryan on, my numbers in terms of, like, uh, student, uh, like, not even retention, like, keeping people around, it's all just gone up. Like, getting students and retaining them, it's been one of the best things that I've, that I've ever done, and it's had the biggest impact. You know, even b- bigger than being, like, on a successful team with, like, really good fighters. Like, this has been it. Like, people seeing what you're doing every day, you know, and seeing the competitions and seeing, like, the the group environment and, you know, people actually watch the stuff on YouTube. So, you know, whatever, you know, so. And, and it's entertaining. It's really fun to watch. You do need to, uh, uh, chill with all that paying your videographer and editor stuff while Bryce sits in the corner over there. I can feel him staring at me and, uh, and me and Bryce are on thin ice anyway, right now, man, he's a, He's a questionable guy, man. (laughs) He really, we went to Pans a few weeks ago, and he couldn't have been more anti-Josh McKinney and more anti-Headnot HQ. It was bizarre, man. Uh, I don't get that guy. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) you could just hire Ryan, you know? I could. (laughs) Give him your number. (laughs) Yeah, I could. Um, We'll we'll talk later. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I feel like like Bryce is significantly cheaper than Ryan is. He is. and uh, anyway, anyway, yeah. we'll stop insulting Bryce, at least <laughs> for now. Uh-huh. And um, have you noticed, so you said you've kind of noticed increase in your gym. Mm-hmm. What are some other things that you have noticed, if anything, um, from starting to document this stuff and starting to kind of create an audience like you have on YouTube? Mm, you know, I mean, that's the, the biggest one has definitely been growth. But I would say that, you know, my my guys are definitely, um, they train a little bit harder when Ryan's around. <laughs> yeah. You know? Train a little, just, just a little bit harder uh-huh. when Ryan's around. And, uh, you know, at first it was, like, awkward for them when they were getting recorded, like, to have, like, you know, Ryan's here and they're talking to each other. Because that's the coolest part about it a lot of times is, like, the interpersonal, like, relationship stuff. And then you throw the fighting on top of that. It makes really good drama. But now they're just like, they can, that camera can be right there, and it's like Ryan's not even there. He's like invisible. That's cool. He's a quiet guy, so easy. But. <laughs> he, he is. He always, he was sneaking around me when we were at the, uh, yeah. we were at the invitation. I'm like, man, this dude is, he's filming stuff. I need to really watch myself yeah, right, right now. I've got a brand to keep you up, You could get man. canceled. I could get canceled easily. You know, and I think it was also a response to my cancellation, probably bringing Ryan around. That I was- got canceled. And I need to document things from now on. Yep. I didn't say that. (laughs) I have a videographer here with me (laughs) at all times. Yes. I'll go talk to Jesse and be like, Jesse, Ryan's here. We can talk. You need to get like a like a stenographer like they have in court to transcribe every word that is said. You know, and like, hey, play back the minutes. You know? That would be that would be the move next. It would be. It would be. But you know Bryce is looking for a new job, so You know, I'm going to start a podcast soon. Yeah. Dang it. You know, I <laughs> Shoot. <pay>. Shoot. <laughs> this, is all, this is all not going according to plan now. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah he's, but it's been amazing because Ryan's helped out so much. And, it, it, you know, it does cost me every month, but 
man, it is, uh, there's few things that I've done in my tenure as, as businessman that I feel like <laughs> it's better than what I did with Ryan. Like really? He's, he's very vol- valuable to me. Yeah. Extremely valuable. I take care of him. So he, he my gym's had like a huge increase. And the marketing also is huge because it's just like Facebook and Instagram, you know, they're so cheap to market on there and you can mm-hmm. do so much. But if you have the content also, because like, you know, I have the, the YouTube show that I do, but that's not really what's bringing it in. It's the clips that I put on Facebook and on Instagram that, uh, that Ryan's taken that just really take off. That's really give me, interesting. Give me students. Yep. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think I notice, you know, man, I just noticed that when it comes to just trying to build a brand. When people yep. start to try to build a brand, there is something entertaining and exciting about it. And just like you were saying with your fighters, like, yeah, they train a little harder when Ryan's there. Yeah. And there is, that's really important because when you have fighters, like I know it's always about being tough and being a great fighter and challenging yourself and all those things, mm-hmm. but people aren't watching unless it's entertaining. And if people aren't watching, you're not getting paid. And so like being able to be entertaining and to be a showman and to learn how to do that and to learn how to be around cameras and stuff and to not just be around cameras the, you know, the first time you're fighting at a big event and that starts to put pressure on you or make you worried. I think that just kind of learning to be in that environment and learning to be a a showman along with a fighter can be kind of important too. Very much so. You got to have people excited to come watch and see you. And like, you got to have people excited to like see a gym, like all these people training and it's like cool shots and like, um, you know, they're talking with each other and they get along really well. They're making jokes and then people are going to watch that and be like, Oh, I want to, I want to jump in there and do that too. You know, a lot of times, especially when I, you know, young people specifically, you know, a lot of times they, they, they're just looking for that outlet like hang out with people to have mm-hmm. friends. Like maybe they, they never really into sports in high school. Or maybe they were in sports in high school and now they don't have that anymore. You know, I've got a bunch of guys now that I literally went to high school with that wrestled and now they're all training with me. So it's, and it's all been from, you know, just push, putting that marketing out there and showing that we have a community environment, like a, a wolf pack, everybody would call it, you know, in there. So it's been, it's been pretty exciting. Pretty awesome and really good for my wallet as well. So. That's cool, man. <laughs> and so the the gym is like kind of how we're hinting. The gym is, has gotten to a point where it was time to move. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I actually had you stop telling me about it when we were in here. Yeah. And actually, I think I had you stop telling me about it at the Invitational, too, because yeah. I wanted to hear about it on the podcast. Yeah. And so uh, uh, kind of give me at least what what point do you say – um, was it like just your lease is up or what point do you say, okay, it's time to move. We need a bigger facility. We need to, to, to go to this next place. What, what point is that for you? So yeah, our lease was up and that was the biggest driving factor. And we could have signed for another year and I probably could have sat there for another year cause I was actually doing pretty well. Um, money wise, my overhead was so low, mm-hmm. but like I saw like a cap, you know, I couldn't really teach kids. That was the biggest one because I had all these advanced adult classes going on during primetime kid hours. Yeah. And like I was doing my kids earlier in the day and it's just like I wasn't building any mm-hmm. any sort of youth program. Just didn't have the space. So I was like, this has to happen. And we went through a couple options. You know, at first I was going to um, uh, 
kind of like rebrand everything and make a big one with like an investor. And then that didn't pan out. And then Drew found this spot in Lake St. Louis in this industrial building. And it was at first I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know if this is going to work. You know, it's in this like, it's not in an industrial area, but it looks like an industrial place. Yeah. But like I walk, I walk in and it's, it's in Lake St. Louis. There's nice neighborhoods everywhere around it. It's right off highway in and Lake St. Louis Boulevard. And it was huge. And it's like four, I think the altogether it's 5,300 square feet altogether. Wow. We to just to, to put Lake St. Louis into context for someone who doesn't know, who yeah. doesn't listen, uh, imagine what I described Granite City to you guys on the podcast. It's the opposite <laughs> of that. So just the complete opposite of that. That's what Lake yeah. St. Louis is. Go ahead and think, and think like the Clayton of St. Charles. That's, so the, that's, that's, that's the, kind of what you, you think of it as. Like, <laughs> it's like Chesterfield across the river. You know, yeah. it's a really nice area. And a lot of the average income there is like 150K a year, I think. To put that into perspective, the average income household in Granite City is 52000 so closer to the actual average of the country. No, this is yeah. like way we're talking one percenters kind of deal. You know, your doctors, your lawyers, you know, and they all they've all got families. So it was a no brainer when I went to it. I was mm -hmm. like, this is a no brainer, and it's a completely open area for I think like four thousand square feet of it. Oh, that's the rest awesome. of it is offices and stuff like that. So we're gonna we just bought the, the front area. Like it literally looks like a you you walk in and you're like at an office building or like a, a reception at like uh -huh. a dentist office or a doctor's office. Uh -huh. I think it used to actually be a BJC or something like that. All right. I'm not sure. So there's a lot of, or no, it was an insurance company actually. So there's a lot of offices. So we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff with that. We're going to do a podcast studio. We're, we're working on doing like a whole recovery room, like with like a cold plunge sauna and hot tub. Dude. We've got enough space for it. And we've also got a space that we're going to be trying to uh, bring in a massage therapist and a chiropractor all in-house uh, so that my guys don't have to go anywhere to do anything other than just come train and then they can recover and working on doing a full-size gym too. So we're, we're, it's pretty exciting, but it's huge. It's the, there, it's, there's no way Bryce doesn't jump ship. <laughs> <Yeah>. There's <laughs> no way. I doubt that he'll finish he'll finish this episode yeah i yeah. doubt he'll make it through he might head over what time does training start there on saturdays um, yeah you know 10 o'clock oh 10 man you, you know, missed saturdays. it you missed you know? it we're yeah. whew, that saved me at least we yeah. can he'll finish out this one man yeah, he'll finish out this one i might good. be going with him though <laughs> yeah, i don't know <laughs> but it's it's yeah it's been it's been awesome um obviously my overhead went way, way up so yeah i'm feeling that but uh, it's it's really exciting most exciting, exciting thing i have going on uh, right now, we're about to add more mat space to what we already have, and uh, my gym's been packed every single night. So, you know, it's it's been an exciting couple of months. Very stressful. Which, what date? When did you guys move in? How long have you been in this building? We technically moved in January first, and then we opened the new facility February first. Okay. So actually, I think it was more like January, like like twenty eighth or 29th that we moved in, but late January. We moved in there, then we got a bunch of new mats, and yeah, yeah we're full, full steam ahead. And you're still, I mean, really, you're still just getting settled in yeah. that space, it's I'm sure. It's not finished at yeah. all. Not when, even close. Yeah. When do you, do you guys have kind of have a timetable you think it'll get finished? Uh, I'm hoping completely finished, um, end of May, hopefully. So, like, our front area, we're trying to get up and running by uh, the end of this week or next week, and then 
our, our new matted space is probably going to be a little bit longer than that. So, but then we'll be pretty up and running. And then hopefully the recovery rooms come, comes. That's going to be the last thing we, we, we do, but everything else probably pretty quick. My, one of my business partners is a contractor, so it all goes pretty quick. I That's don't have nice. to wait for anything. Uh-huh. He just goes in, he does it, and then we're good to go. That's nice. Yeah. We also were just talking about the possibility of the Mops, Mop podcast, oh, yeah. the Wolves Den podcast. What would it be called? Not sure yet. We're thinking of it being me and Sean. Okay. Like We're thinking about me and Sean being podcast i might do a separate one as well uh-huh. we're definitely going to do one me and sean and that'll be pretty that would exciting. be that would be cool we'll let him pick the name on that one so. <laughs> as we um even though we actually haven't even gotten to any of it at all uh really intended to talk to you about coaching yeah and so we'll definitely get to that at some yeah. point probably yeah. but if not it would be really fun to have you and sean on sometime cool. and do a coach student yeah, or coach athlete whenever. one that would be really fun yeah, um, but if it was you and Sean, what would be the, you know, what do you, what, what's the, the sniper and the mop, yeah, you know, something like that, you know, like what would be the, what would be the name? I don't know. We're going to, we haven't figured that we haven't gotten that far yet, but uh, that's a good, we could just do that one. Yeah. You know, I could pitch that to him. You ever hear a chat GPT? <laughs> yeah. We could have you a name in five really minutes, yeah. name, title, logo, everything, yeah. you know, first episode name, all of it. <laughs> we don't have to be on it. <laughs> do it for us. <laughs> Just there, take our voices and do it for us. Yep. You know? I like that. It's scary stuff. I like that. Yeah. So uh, let's kind of, you know, that's kind of really a lot of stuff we were talking about was you as a, uh, someone trying to brand themselves as a businessman which yeah. is a, a role that you're assuming more of now. Yeah. Would you say that that role has kind of opened up a little more for you now that you're not in the professional athlete role as much? Yeah, definitely. I definitely had to make a decision to favor one or the other. Yeah. You know, I still want to compete, especially now that I'm healthy, because that was a big reason I wasn't competing is because I just was not healthy. I was, mm-hmm. you know, two knees, like no, one knee surgery, you know, broken ribs, uh, several broken noses, no mm-hmm. surgery. So like it was, a, it was a tough like two, three years of me not really being able to train at all like I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And just any time that I got back hurt again. So, you know, I concentrated more on the business aspect and it was like, okay, the more I concentrate on this, the better my gym does. It's just clear. Yeah. Clear as day that if I focus less on myself and more on the people around me and the other individuals that need me, we do really well. But at the same time, I feel like that you know the match that I just did helped me out a lot. The yeah. energy at the gym was just so much better. It's so much better when they they're competing alongside their coach and stuff mm-hmm. like that. My students loved it. The guys that didn't get on the card with me were really upset about it. Yeah, they really wanted to be on there with me uh-huh. and have a whole team thing. And like in my second professional fight, we had like six guys on the card, right? And top down, and the energy from that was just just amazing. You know, they knew I was competing. They liked seeing practice what you preach kind yeah. of thing. And, you know, in MMA, it's especially important because you're demanding mm-hmm. a lot from somebody. Um, and they need to see that you would be able to do it too. And mm-hmm. that was big. But yeah, the, the more I moved away from active competition and the more I gravitated towards coaching and concentrating on the business, the better both have, have done. My students have done better and my business has done, business has done better. But I do think that, you know... Um, 
there's a lot of coaches out there that do are active competitors and that's one of the upsides of it is the energy in the in the room is so much better when you're when your coach is competing so do you um this is kind of just a little step back do you think that there was any correlation for you between between those injuries and you trying to be a coach and an athlete at the same time uh yes definitely especially one of my worst injuries happened because i got off of a plane after traveling all day i like i like we're talking like a six seven hour flight you know all together with layovers and then i went right in and sparred Mm -hmm. sparred with colin parr right Freaking Colin, man. Yeah, it's his fault. I think he did it on purpose. I Colin. think he, he actually brags about yeah, it I when you're not around. Yeah. yeah. I know, I'm what, looking at you. <laughs> I, know, I know you're watching. <laughs> I know you're going to watch this. Yeah. So <laughs> I, shot a, I shot a takedown, and he sprawled. And got, and we just kept sparring, right? And then the round ended, and then all of a sudden, my back, neck, and shoulder just didn't work anymore for like three months. Oh, like wow. It was really bad. But it's from me being hunched over so much. Mm-hmm. I was just hunched over on the plane for hours. And, you know, that was like the third or fourth flight I had taken that month because, you know, my guys, some of my guys are competing at higher levels and they're, you know, they're, they're going out of town. LFA, I had LFA, uh, two LFAs and a UFC in one month. Yeah. You know, it was brutal, brutal mm-hmm. on my body just to travel and, you know, get beat up by them on warmups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah, I think there was a direct correlation between that. But, you know, I think, you know, my lifestyle also, I've made some lifestyle changes to go more alongside competing. Yeah. You know, you know not as many late nights, you know, mm-hmm. diet changes, stuff yep, like that. You look like you, how much, what, what do you weigh right now? Uh, I'm in like the high 80s. Yeah. High 180s right now. But and when I, you were fighting, you were fighting at 70? Uh, I did, I did my first professional fight at 160. And then, uh, then one at 155, which I missed weight, which is really unfortunate. And then two others at 160, so generally yeah. hovering around under under 70 at like 55, trying to get to 55. So hopefully, you know, if I, I want to do another one. I've already got, I've got some stuff on the table working um, for the June uh, 24th card, yeah. Ballpark Village. Uh huh. They were looking for matches for me, so I'm hoping I can get on that one. But I'm actually at a, I'm in a much better weight to make the weight now, so I'm happy about that. So at 155 will probably actually be where I'm going to do this one. So when you are, um, when you're competing, when you're fighting, what do you, you know, as a coach, what is your, like, what is the amount of value that you are putting into your fighting? Like, or or not, not value. What is the amount of, would you say, here's a, here's a a different way to ask this and can be more specific. Would you say you're getting ready for this fight? And then Sean has a fight in the UFC two weeks before. Yeah. How? What are you more focused on? What are your thoughts more towards? What are you feeling? What? What? What's on your mind? Uh, it would be Sean first, definitely. That would be it. I would definitely be going to that event. Yeah. Definitely putting all my effort into coaching that event. I might even tell them that I can't do the fight. Yeah. In that situation. Um. Yeah. So that tells you anything yeah yeah my students do come first and the angle that i'm i love first of all obviously you gotta love to do it like i love to fight i love to compete you know things like that i love to train the training is so the most fun thing for me and training for a fight is is extremely fun because you're working super hard every day super focused doing what you love 
and uh, get in really good shape. Yeah. <laughs> it always feels great. Uh-huh. Like it's, it's, it's crazy that, you know, like I'm like so guilty of this, of like getting out of shape. It's just like the food tastes good. The sitting around <laughs> feels good until it doesn't. Yeah. And it feels terrible. Mm-hmm. But being in shape never feels bad. You're, that's very always true. Always feel good. That's you very know, true. You're always in much better mood and, and everything like that. So that part's great. But the angle for my fighting comes from like, I love to do it and it's great promotion for my gym and what I'm doing because I go out there, they they can see that the coach knows what they're doing. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that like, you know, they then maybe they'll get good guys, but that could just be because they have good athletes. And then people look at it and they're like, oh, is that guy really that good of a coach? You've never even seen him fight, never even seen him do anything, you know, and you know, I want to go out there and I don't want to be that guy. I want to show my students I know what I'm doing. I can get you to this level, you know, professional 4-0 athlete, you know, like, you know, regional, but still I can train guys, you know, to get to a decent level. And I've got, already got proof with uh, some of the guys that I train that I can do it. So it's more about that than anything else. Like, I'm not really looking as much, you know, like, okay, am I going to make this UFC run? If it were to happen, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, if I were to win really really spectacular fashion and get hit up for something like that absolutely i do it but what's my angle for doing it it's yeah. still yeah it's still for my students and my gym more than anything else so that's number one and i try to make that the centerpiece of pretty much everything that i do um especially now with all the big moves and big changes i feel like there's a huge opportunity for me in the spot that i'm at right now mm-hmm. um so i'm trying to just run with it i like that as hard as i can in that direction so. i like Hey everybody, I have a deal that you absolutely do not want to miss uh, for the entire month of May. That is from now until whenever May ends. I don't know if there's 30, 31 days in May, but I know it ends on June 1st. And um, we are offering at simplifyingjujitsu.com this massive discount. We are doing 50% off the entire store with promo code NEWSTUDIO. The reason that we're doing that is because obviously we're putting out so much more content now because we have a new studio to do it in and we are so excited about Simplifying Jiu-Jitsu Studios 2.0 and we want you to be excited about it too because it will benefit you guys in the future as we're able to start pushing out more content and what we're going to do right now is we're going to have this 50% off the entire store. So if you've ever wanted to get Mastering the Duck Guard by yours truly Josh McKinney or STDs for BJJ by Kyle Watson that is Simplifying Takedowns for BJJ by Kyle Watson or the Star Spangled Spider Guard by Nick Sanders, or even Train Until 60 and Beyond by Steve McKinney. Uh, Any of those that you want will be available for 50% off with promo code NEWSTUDIO. That's all one word, NEWSTUDIO at simplifyingjujitsu.com. And this is only going on for the month of May. Let's get back into the episode. that there's a point in the uh you ever read the book green lights yes i have there there's a point he talks about running downhill and that's yeah. uh you know when you're chasing success hopefully there comes a point where you start run, finding yourself going downhill when it comes to success and you're just grabbing up every opportunity but he said you don't want to stop in those situations he goes when i was a you know a a, a texas kid that i'm getting all these movie offers <laughs> and i'm making all this money He's like, well, 
I was telling myself, hey, Texas kids where I come from don't get these opportunities. I shouldn't, I'm not, I shouldn't almost be allowed to do these things. He's like, I was almost self-sabotaging because I was afraid to. He's like, but now I know it. Got to run downhill in those situations. And uh, um, this is, again, a step back, but you were just talking about the energy that it takes to coach events and the energy that it takes to, to be a coach when you have your highest level athletes competing in whatever. And so maybe I'll ask like this, a, you have a, um, Sean's in, in the UFC on a Saturday night Mm -hmm. and you have all that goes with that. And that's going to be, you guys get in on a, like in Vegas, uh, you guys get in on what day? Uh, like on a Tuesday. Okay. So you guys get on a Tuesday. Tuesday and then you leave on a Monday. Oh, no, we Sean likes to get out of there, so we leave the day after the fight. The okay, so you live on a Sunday? Yeah, I like to get out of there, too. So so you guys get out of there Tuesday to Sunday, Monday at the gym, mm-hmm. 1 to 100. What percent is your energy? What percent is your mental, not your physical, yeah. but your mental gas tank as a coach, as a, a human being, uh, 1 to 100? All I want to do is go right back to what I was just doing that week somebody else too you know? yeah like that's where my mind is i'm like i got to get one of these guys there so that i got like 20 of these because it's always the best experience uh-huh it's always amazing um and obviously the more guys i have there the better the gym's gonna do you know the more exposure but yeah it's like it's such an adrenaline rush and the energy's so good and i'm just like man i want to get more of these guys and i got guys that are so close right now mm-hmm. i got jordan howard he's super close danny he's super close they're like right on the on the cusp of uh, breaking into that, to that um, that arena, and you know now we got David Evans training with us too, and he just fought on PFL. That was an amazing experience too, because we were in Orlando Studios, you know, and it, Ray Sifo and like all these UFC guys just all around us, former champions everywhere. So it's it's exciting. So any big event, you know, not even just the UFC, LFA, Bellator, or not as much Bellator, but. LFA. <laughs> It's yeah, like, dude, I've been backstage at Bellator. I've been, <laughs> yeah. I've cornered people at Bellator events. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the undercard on a Bellator, you don't necessarily have to be a, a hot prospect. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. Fill it with the local guys. But LFA, you pretty much have to be a prospect to be yeah. on that. You know, especially on the main card, which you know, Danny's been on the main card of those things. So um, the energy is always amazing. PFL mm-hmm. energy is amazing. And just after I got back, win or lose, energy is always good for everybody because they just saw that there's a possibility that any of them could end up there. You know? And, you know, that just goes for the competitors, you know, but the even the you know, most of my gym is not active competitors. They're just people training and having fun. They do some boxing, some kickboxing, they jump into some jujitsu, but that's the bulk of my gym now. But uh even them, they're always excited when big things like that happen. You know, they hate that I'm gone for a week, but when I get back, it's just like energy's good. Mm-hmm. You know? that, that really comes from any big big fight night. Local fight nights are like that too. Like when you like we we touched on this earlier. When you win a local fight, you are the king of the city. You are the king of this. You get the key yes. to the city for a night. Yes. And if I have like four or five guys on a card and they all win, the energy in the gym is amazing for yeah. months. Like yeah. They're just they're everybody's training hard. Mm-hmm. You know. The local ones especially. We go out of town. Sometimes, you know, it goes through the cracks. But, yeah, we're, we've had some big of big stuff recently. And, yeah, like, energy's been amazing.
Dude, every that's time. cool. Yes, every time. We've we've been on a string of L's lately, yeah. actually. Uh, me and Bryce in particular. Uh, <laughs> sorry to bring you back up, Bryce. Uh, but yeah, we've been, uh, you know, but we've just been getting after it a lot. That's, how, that's what happens. You're going to lose sometimes. Especially jujitsu. You know? Oh, like, yeah. It's just like you don't even, most of the time you don't even get to, you don't even have any say who you're going up against. You know what no. I mean? It's just, boom, I'm going up against that guy. All right. Well, I have a few days to re- to prepare for whoever I'm going up against. Mm-hmm. you got to prepare for everyone in the bracket. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's just different. An MMA fight, your coach is going to say yes or no yep. to the guy that you're fighting. You're going to get six weeks usually to prepare for it, and you go out there. That's why you know you see guys with better records. But jiu-jitsu, it can be all over the place. It really you know? is. It really is. And that's like the fun of getting to compete in jiu-jitsu yeah. is that like, yeah, anybody shows up that day, and it doesn't matter. They could have sucked their whole career at this belt, yeah. but if they're just on that day, they could win a big tournament. You know, because they, you know, you fight the first seed, the first round, and you can beat him, then you're the first seed, you know? And so I just think that, you know, like, that's one of the most fun parts about competing. Uh, Do you have any plans, any thoughts that you will kind of get into competing in jiu-jitsu a little more? Uh, Yeah, I mean, especially after the last one. I had so much fun. Yeah. I had so much fun. The energy was so cool, and everybody was really pumped about jiu-jitsu, and it was like... It was a rule set that I liked, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like I've said before, I don't really train in the gi a whole lot, so that's probably not in the future yeah. as much. But in terms of no gi with uh, full rules, like, yeah, I, I, I want to do that way more. Yeah. Especially after what I just uh, what I just did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, and the guys in jiu-jitsu are way cooler towards each other. So <laughs> They are, man. That was like... That was even before matches, after matches, it's just so much easier because you're not going to have to punch yeah. somebody in the face. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know if I could be super cool with somebody that I knew I was going to have to punch yeah. in the face and they were going to do the same to me. Yep. You know, I'd be like kind of offended. <laughs> I will say this, though. After you've been punched in the face several times back and forth with a guy, you always hug and you always yeah. like him afterwards. Yeah. It's a lot I of res- s- there is some respect to it that goes in, but... Everybody's nice beforehand also in jiu-jitsu, so it's like you can be talking to your guy on the mat like two minutes before you guys go compete. No hard feelings. But two weeks later, when you and that guy just punched each other in the face, I feel like (laughs) your feelings towards him start to become hostile sometimes again. Depends on if you win or lose. With (laughs) jiu-jitsu, a lot of times winning and losing is just so so decisive. It's so it's so like yeah, this dude was just way better than me. In in this match, we could have repeated this match ten times that day, and he would have just kept beating me, or vice versa. You're likely to compete again. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, I'm gonna get him next time. Yeah, rematches in MMA are far more rare. Yeah, that's true. So once you lose, it's kind of like okay, I've lost to that guy forever a lot of the time. (laughs) Yeah. You have to earn your way back when in jiu-jitsu, you can just enter the same tournament. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I had one guy travel, one of my, my older students travel to three IBJJF tournaments, right? And compete against the same guy in the first round oh. <laughs> all three times. <laughs> I've had, I've had like, especially, it, it's only happened when it's been bad. I've never been on the good side of it. But I've had like show up to the tournament and I've got the 
toughest guy in my weight class that day and lose to him. And then the first round of the open class, I have him again. And I'm like, why do I have to fight this guy twice? (laughs) And like, I go to a tournament, pay money, pay a thousand dollars for the whole event, compete twice, but lose to the same guy two times. (laughs) And I was like, dude, if I could have just fought anybody else, that would have been exciting. That would have been so much better. Yeah, it is exciting. But yeah, I, Earlier point, yeah, I want to do more jujitsu for sure. Yeah. What do you think, just kind of getting back to the original idea, just getting back to coaching, has there been anything that you have? I know you're a training method, coaching, technique, concept nerd like I am. Is there anything new that you guys have been doing that you could tell us about that wouldn't be super secret? Um, Just in your training, in your method for getting people – better at being fighters um number number one is hand fighting hand fighting biggest thing and if you watch my match it's literally the entirety of the match is hand fighting until the Mm -hmm. finish a lot of hand fighting a lot of foot fighting like foot sweeping and and off balancing techniques and a lot of getting off the bottom yeah getting guys ready to do adcc oriented stuff so it's been like you know turtling to standing defending back control stuff like that like you know, fighting out of almost like fighting out of bad spots, yeah, and then turning them into good spots. Mm-hmm. A good one that I've been going with also. Um, but yeah, those have been the big things. And also, I mean, my gym's so big on leg locks that it's center point of a lot of mm-hmm. our training is always on leg locks. You know, like you talk about strange hands, like both my guys won. It's like, what did they win with? They both they both won. They with both leg won lock. with leg locks. What did I win with? leg lock you know austin would have won with a leg lock but he thought he was allowed to do leg locks because he's a brown belt because like brown belts can do leg locks but he was competing against a purple belt so he gets on the stage and they're like no leg locks and he's like what's all i've been training yeah. for like, <laughs> so, like shoot i don't know anything else what did joel win with leg, leg lock, lock. Yeah, so yep. it's like it's such a huge part of our game and it's honestly it's like the entry point of it it's like we'd have an entry point of like okay we're good at leg locks and then there's so much more to it but i feel like a lot of uh, schools are still lagging behind a little bit on the defensive aspect to a lot of these leg lock positions, like you know cross ashi and even even you know variations of fifty fifty where they're having problems getting out mm-hmm. when they're get, or dealing with the entries, you know, because the entries when you get really good at leg lock entries, it can be really easy to get to the position to leg lock somebody. Yeah, yeah. And if they don't know how to defend that, that's when the problems come. So that's our focus competitively but i mean really we've been working a lot on like you know wrestling and stuff like that also in there that's it's super one it's super interesting that you say that yeah. um do you know who chris paynes is i don't think so he's one of my buddies uh he's uh he's don't let this deter you he's from england oh okay. he lives in yeah he's british oh we've been so, talking about this yeah and so they lost like what 300 years ago yeah <laughs> <years ago>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, he came and taught a seminar at my gym. He always is a very big um, conceptual teacher. He always has something different. Mm -hmm. One of his big things is always hand fighting. It's always been you just you're not as you're not good at jujitsu because you don't hand fight enough or you don't understand hand fighting enough. Mm -hmm. Um, He's like you're only you know this these underhooks are the only things that control you. And the only way that you lose these is if you don't hand fight, if you don't know how to hand fight. And so um, he actually came with this new idea that no one should ever play guard ever. 
He's, his idea was you should always be trying to stand up and that should be like the basis of your guard. And he showed some different concepts. I'll tell you about them off camera because I can't be giving away this dude's seminar secrets. He charges for for this stuff. Um, but that were super, super simple. And I'm sure that you and I, as we talk would probably match up a lot on the concepts. Um, but just, uh, back to that original idea that hand fighting being the most important thing, because that's something I agree with. And the gi might call it grip fighting, but it is the same exact idea. If you had to, uh, Webster's Dictionary calls you and like they're like, hey, jiu-jitsu's big enough and you're in charge of making the description for <laughs> what hand fighting is. Yeah. What's in that those couple sentences of what um, hand fighting is? Well, it's... How would I put it? Um, I would say hand fighting... Is, is how I am able to get to every single position that I want. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's making incremental progress towards the position that I want to go to, towards a leg, towards a hand, towards an underhook, right? And, man, I just can't stress the importance of it. There's like, there was like, a, there's like a, a, a time in my jiu-jitsu where I wasn't hand fighting, yep. and then I was, and they're just like, the difference is astronomical, astronomical, how much more successful I am. Mm-hmm. If you want to get in on entries to the legs, if you want to get entries to the upper body or lower body, hand fighting is, is, is everything. So I would say it's just, just, just ha- the, the system for, uh, the system that I use to go from point A to point B <laughs> and, and get what I want. Yeah, yeah, there's that, no other way around it. That makes sense. That's like, a, yeah, it's like a, a vehicle to get yeah, to. transportation system. Mm-hmm. And exactly. That, and that's like, I always explain it as hand fighting is solving problems with your hand, that's, right? Yeah, that's and a so better way to put it. Then jujitsu understanding becomes a matter of, okay, how do, or grappling understanding um, becomes a matter of how well do you know what the goal is? Because yeah. if you know what the goal is and you know how to solve problems with your hands, then that's all you're doing is using your, and then you're, like we said, footwork too, yep. using your angles, using your legs to be able to solve problems too. Yep. And that's really what jujitsu is. Right? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I feel like people do techniques a lot when they're training. Like they'll do individual techniques. Like they'll be like, okay, I really good, I'm good at ashigarami positions. Like I'm really good at single leg X, X guard, you know, and they'll train doing moves from that position and maybe they'll even work from work some entries into that position, like from like half guard or like, you know, guard or any of these things, but you don't even get to that point if you're not good at hand fighting. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't hand fight, you're not going any, you're not getting anywhere. And I think a lot of times in jujitsu, you get guys who aren't both good at hand fighting. Like they both bad at hand fighting. So yeah, they'll go into those positions right away because they're like, oh, we're going right to that position. Whereas like, and then you get the one guy who just hand fights his way out of everything, mm-hmm. right? And you just can't do anything. And you're like, why can't I get to the positions I want to get to? Well, it's because he's hand fighting you and you're not hand fighting back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you same, same with feet, you know, using hooks and, and butterfly hooks and, you know, it's the bottom of your foot to like post and stuff like that, but it's all the same. You know, you're, you, you can't just train um, each position individually and then just forget that there's the way to get there is all through hand fighting. Mm-hmm. Talk and, about it all day. <laughs> yeah. And like, a, I think a, a, a back, it, like a, kind of an original idea of hand fighting that's really, really simple to understand is what jujitsu and what grappling looks like 
when you can't hand fight. And so, um, the, you know, the Diaz brothers always will interlock fingers with people in MMA. Yeah. But if you ever watch their jujitsu, they would do the exact same oh, yeah. thing. And that's a grappling idea. And basically what you're saying is, I'm not going to hand fight. And so we're both going to get gain one grip yeah. that doesn't, it's pretty much a 50-50 yeah. grip. And then we're just going to fight for angles and distance. Yeah. And so I think that when you look at guys like that in like, they figured out a way to not have to hand fight. Yeah. Oh, we'll just interlock fingers. You can't solve problems with your hands yeah. anymore because we're yeah. giving up our hands. Can you solve problems with your legs? Can you solve problems with your angles? Yeah. And so I always think like uh, uh, when you are seeing high level hand fighting, one of the simplest things to get somebody to understand is if you were a beginner, if he was just really good at grabbing my hands, and while I was trying to grab his collars, while I was trying to grab his pants, it's going to be very hard for me to jujitsu him. Yeah. And I think that that's like an entry point for people is like, okay, you want to learn how to grip fight? Feel what jujitsu feels like when it doesn't exist. Yeah. And you just grab somebody's hand and they have your hand. Yeah. And like, you just you do jujitsu from there. Yeah, you can't do anything. I mean, I use that, that a lot too, the, mm -hmm. <laughs> the knuckle grip. Yep. <laughs> you know, we're both going to try and break each other's hand real quick. Yep. Yeah. It's a it, it's a good little little stall. Like if a guy's hand fighting you really hard and you go bam, use mm -hmm. it when I get annoyed. Like guys are like out gripping me uh -huh. and I just go bam, and then it just kind of makes us have to stop for a second, uh -huh. and reset the grips again. So here's a here's a weird one. Yeah, I use it when or it's a fun one. I use it when I notice somebody's right handed yeah. because I'm right handed, and so if I interlock right hand to my left hand. I'm giving up my non-dexterous hand for your Smart. dexterous hand. Yeah, and nice. so I do that a lot. And then I run a lot of angles to that side and Smart. create a lot of hand movement with my right arm. And people will, they're trying to defend with their left arm. And I can tell it's like, people think that, oh my gosh, this guy's so good at this. And I'm like, if I did it the opposite, you would just kill me in this position because you'd be using your, your better hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird though. And I really, I actually picked it up because my dad is left-handed. So there's this Gordon thing that I noticed is if you ever watch how he comes in, a lot of times he likes to come in. Most guys are both right leg lead mm -hmm. and he will come in right leg lead and he will connect left hand to right hand first because yeah. I want to collar tie with my right hand and he'll yeah. grab my same thing, non-dexterous hand, right? Yeah. And then he wins that inside collar tie with his dexterous hand. And I do that to everybody. Once I started picking up that he was yeah. doing that, I'm like, this is so easy. Well, one day I'm rolling with my 62, 63-year-old dad, and he's beating me on the collar tie. And I just am, like, getting through with rolling with yeah. good black belts and good wrestlers, and nobody's beating me on the collar tie. And I can't comprehend what it is. And I was like, oh, he's left-handed. Yeah. And so it's his left hand versus my right hand. I thought I was just really good. Yeah. I've just been beating everybody because they can't use their, their yeah. left hand very well. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a fun concept to, yeah. to play very with. Fun. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, very overlooked, I think, in a lot of in a lot of ways. I think in the gi, it's probably less overlooked because it's so natural just to grab and mm -hmm. grip. And then in no gi, it's like everybody's the one thing that I dislike when people say about no gi is that like I don't have anything to grab, and I'm like, what do you mean? You got a wrist, you got a knee, you got an ankle. There's all these little joints on your any pretty much any joint you can grab. Uh huh. A little bone sticking out, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, there's plenty to grab, but it's overlooked because there's not. It doesn't seem like there's a lot to grab, but mm -hmm. it's super important just to constantly be gripping, getting two on ones, collar ties, like you said. You know, our uh, 
a wrestling coach. Um, well, he's not a wrestling coach anymore. Coach Rob, shout out Coach Rob, <laughs> wherever you are. Um, <laughs> he's like the best high school wrestling coach in the country. He coaches in Pennsylvania uh, for basically the high school equivalent of Penn State. <laughs> um, they, I think not this year, but the year before they won. They won nationals and they won state and they won everything. It, and he's like the biggest thing in wrestling right now is hand fighting, collar ties, hand fighting, collar ties, mm-hmm. hand fighting, collar ties. And in Pennsylvania, they structure their whole their whole program around around defending the collar tie. They don't even collar tie anymore. They just react to collar ties and yep. stuff like that. So hopefully, we see some more progressions like that in jujitsu too. Man, I, I really do think that the that's got to be the direction just because yeah. so many people that I know that I enjoy talking to about jujitsu concepts yeah. and what's new for them and what they're enjoying using. It just seems to always come up. Yeah. You know, does. you just don't. So I had really another point for me where it kind of shifted and I started realizing the importance of just hand fighting was same thing. Wrestling. One of my, yeah. uh, one of my black belts wrestled was super, super good wrestler. Um, was a combat wrestling hall of famer, really, really good jujitsu but really really great stand-up and one day i'm like hey i want you to like for the next couple weeks just show conceptual wrestling and he's like what do you what does that even mean i was like just explain things that we don't understand because he'll always give me an idea about wrestling and he'll be like yeah super basic stuff and then he'll show me and i'll go eric I've never done a wrestling class i've never wrestled in my life so when you're saying basic stuff i don't know that that's basic stuff. I don't re I didn't do peewee wrestling. And he's like, Oh, okay. So he starts to show that. And he spends four weeks with us hand fighting. Like, Hey, this is what you should be doing. Then we would ask about guard pulling. You should hand fight better. We would ask about anti guard pulling. You should hand fight better. Every single thing was hand fighting until one day he comes in and this is where I'm going with this. Cause I think this is the next concept that will be big and widely understood. And we've actually talked about it before. Yeah. So I know that this is something you think about a lot too. Um, but it's not talked a lot about in grappling still, but distance, yeah. he comes in and he says, all right, Josh, grab my collars. He goes, get your best grips. And I like, okay. So he's teaching class. I get my best grips on his key. And he goes, uh, grips don't matter. And this is after he has spent a month grip fighting with us. And he says, distance matters. And he goes, now do something to me, Josh. And he played distance. He played angle. And I didn't do anything to him. And I was trying really hard. And And then we were all like mind blown a second time. And so I really think that that is what grappling is. And you even attribute distance to one of the most, or I think you say the most most important important part of MMA. Yeah, the most important part of MMA. This is the most important part of any combat sport, Mm -hmm. anything, is the distance between the two guys, how to control it. mm -hmm. And so in in between that distance is hand fighting. And so like kind of, to me, that is as as boiled down and as simply as you can explain fighting besides what you see, you know, because we all see strikes and we all see you know, big takedowns. We all see arm bars. We see those things, but everything in between is really an understanding of distance control and hand fighting. And that's, that's it. Yep. You know, even, even when you, when you look at the idea of, of creating angles in a fight, that is the same thing. It's a type, it's an idea of distance, you know, is understanding those angles. So as you 
get more conceptual in your teaching because it seems like you you do. Yeah. It seems like you and I both kind of yeah. follow a pretty similar teaching journey. Yeah. Uh, what are some practices that you've noticed have helped your students really be able to understand these things better? Um, well, first, in my gi class specifically, we grip fight for like the first couple of minutes. That's something relatively recently new. It's like I just have them get with a partner and just fight for grips. And I'm like, you're not really fighting for takedowns. You guys are just getting used to this is mm-hmm. what we do at the beginning of every match. We're just yeah. sitting here fighting for grips. Um, same thing with my nogi guys when we, we start off with like wrestling and just, you know, like light drilling wrestling back and forth with, you know, hand fight just to get them used to the hand fighting over and over again. And then, like I said, just explain to them that this is everything. Like I don't start a class or a technique without mentioning it first. Yeah. You know, if I'm showing an entry for a leg locks, I'm like, all right, we hand fight them first. We get two on one grips. I always stress the two on grip really important. Uh, importantly, especially from the seated position, uh-huh. like when you're sitting down getting a two-on-one grip, just saying, hey, these are the positions you're going to get. And then once they start defending these, you're going to start seeing everything else open up, mm-hmm. right? If I get a two-on-one grip and this guy yanks it back really hard, his legs just become right, they're right there. So who cares about the entries or um, any of any of the other cool, flashy finish parts? Like you're not getting there without that. So you need to concentrate pulling <laughs> and pushing, pulling and pushing. Hand fighting, pulling, pushing, dragging, all those things. And that sets up everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't show any of my techniques, especially in my nogi class, without first going over extensively like how we get to that position in the first place. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like I said earlier, I feel like a lot of problems that people run into, and I know I ran into it, and my students ran into it when I wasn't teaching it, right? Is that I was like, okay, here is... I guess I use this a lot. Like here's Ashi Brahma. Here's single leg X, right? Mm-hmm. And okay, I bend his knee. There's the outside heel hook. He goes the other way. Oh, there's the sweep, mm-hmm. right? Oh, these are great moves. But like, you know, you have guys train that, right? And then they go into a match. I'm like, all right, I'm going to get him into single leg X. And maybe I showed how to get in there, but I totally skipped the part <laughs> where where we do this. Yeah. Where, we, where we fight for three minutes. Grips, yeah. You know? and, and just never leaving it out of my instruction always stressing its importance and that this is your best tool to get from point a to point b like you said a a vehicle Vehicle Mm -hmm. is a better word for transportation yeah and and man if you teach in that way i just think it allows your students especially some students are just going to be more creative than you they're just going to see things differently than you it allows them to then go okay so that's the problem i can solve it this way a little bit differently you know and i think that there is more of a range in grappling than we have always, at least as coaches for a long time, acted like there is yeah. um, between the, the, the person doing the move and the coach doing yeah. the move. You know, there's just that you can accomplish the same goal, but it looked quite different yeah, uh, if you both understand what that goal is really well. So um, I wanted to make sure to ask this. We're getting at one point, not to bring Bryce up again, but he flashed me with the flashlight to let yeah. me know. But he's also, I think he flashed me earlier too. <laughs> so I think that he did flash me two times. Okay, so he's he's a weird guy, man. You got to watch Bryce. <laughs> that freaking guy. Flashing people. I watch him very closely. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, uh, do you have? any um 
and I wish that I'm sure that when we have you and Sean on, we can talk yeah. much deeper yeah. about this. Do you have any habits that you have been trying to instill in athletes? And if so, any ways that you've been trying to do that? Or do you have any habits that you always try to instill in athletes in any ways that you normally do that? Um, uh, being in condition has been my biggest one recently. Yeah. Never getting tired. Yeah. Like that's a hat. I think that if you, if you stay up to date on your fitness, you know, you uh, make sure you're rolling a lot, right? Because, man, my least favorite thing is to watch my students walk off the mat after like three or four rolls and be like, oh, you know, I'm good today. Yeah. You yeah. know, trying to instill that like you have to, you have to, to, to roll a lot to get in shape, mm -hmm. you know, and then not get tired. Cause it's the one thing you can control in, in the fight that like no one can really take away from you. Right. Yeah. Like if I'm in shape and I don't ever get tired and my guy gets tired, he could be significantly worse than me and I could still beat him. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen it. It happens in the gym all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, some of my best guys lose to my most conditioned athletes. So that's a big one. And I think that's even bigger for MMA than it probably is for jujitsu because MMA is significantly more tiring. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the, the, those kind of habits and, um, yeah, distance control, always a big one. <laughs> distance control and closing distance and practicing closing distance and drilling closing distance constantly. Like, don't just show up and, you know, drill how to finish the takedown or, like, how to throw strikes. You need to drill specifically how to close distance. When you say a lot of rounds, yeah. what is what is a lot of rounds? Like in a, in a context of a week, mm -hmm. how many rounds should you do you think jujitsu wise you should be doing? And is there variation of the time that you're doing it? Yeah. Kind of what, what would that look like? Well, in our advanced class, we do 10 minute rounds. So those are really long rounds. We do three of them um, back to back. Uh -huh. And then we have a class in the middle and all those guys stay. And then we do five, five minute rounds. Okay. Um, that's a lot of rounds. That is a lot of that's rounds. A lot of rounds, but you know, a lot of MMA fighters and they they're very good shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, those are a lot of rounds. Um, but then generally, I, I I tell the minimum of five um, if they're going to roll, and if they're if, especially if they're only coming like three days a week. Yeah. You know, generally five, but yeah, we do a, we, we put a lot of emphasis on sparring. Yeah. A lot of not maybe not as much MMA sparring because. It's very bad for your head. Of course. You can't think very straight. Uh-huh. You know, already feeling those effects. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting canceled left and right. Dude, I know. Stuff. I know. <laughs> you should just, yeah, it's CTE, man. You yeah, can't, CTE. you know. I can't help that I'm so controversial. It's CTE. That's what the C stands for. Exactly. You know? So I try to make the drilling portion of the class, since we roll so much, I try to make the drilling portion of the class more conceptual than anything else. Okay. Um, rather than... You know, I, obviously, I do the standard show a technique uh -huh. kind of deal, but I like to let my guys just kind of play. Yeah, when they're drilling, I'm not a really big stickler on you have to do this move exactly this way, mm -hmm. and that's one habit I like to instill: like be creative and and play around. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say keep it playful because when we roll in certain, especially in the competition class I just mentioned, I'm like, this is not time to for those three ten minute rounds. I'm like, this is not the the mm -hmm. class or the time to work a bunch of new stuff you're trying to submit your partner mm -hmm. it's competition style and then in the next class you play a little bit more but you know uh, having a healthy balance between those two things of competitiveness and playfulness and also uh you know drilling uh, to fit you more than like what you said earlier like uh, how i do it and you do it are two different ways are, are going to look a lot different mm -hmm. you know, the mechanisms are going to look a lot different 
And that's something I feel that jiu-jitsu really does need is, like, to move away from, like, and I think it's doing that at rapid speed, the dogmatic approach. Of course. Of, you know, this uh-huh. doesn't work, this works, this doesn't work. Move away from that and just let your students do stuff. You yeah. Know? You know, who's the most, like, you know, most widely known coach is John Donaher. And, like, when he talks, of, uh, I listened to an interview of him talking recently about his relationship with Hinzo. Yeah. And he's like, Hinzo never told me that that I couldn't not do something. Yeah. Like, this doesn't work. All I had to do was come in and prove that it works. And if I couldn't prove that it works, it's not like he even said, don't ever do that. He was like, well, see if you can fix it and come back and see if you can prove it works again. And I'm the same way. Like, if my students can prove that it works, you know, like, I have little conflicts with them all the time. But if they can prove that it work works, I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. about it. But, you know, like, just under, that understanding that everybody's got a kind of different game and they're going to do slightly different variations of different things and to play around more. And be creative with your with your techniques, and not get too married to the idea of w- of one way of doing things. And I think something that was always helpful for for guys like you and I is we started jujitsu really young, yes, and then we both have superhuman flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so that when you go to being a coach, yeah. you realize very quickly, oh, these certain things that I do. Yeah they do require the amount of flexibility that I have. Um, And then in jiu-jitsu, you typically would always hear people be like, oh, yeah, you don't have to be flexible to barambolo. I'm like, dude, I have (laughs) 60-year-old guys who hear that. They're like, oh, you don't? And then their backs are broken. You know, like, yeah, you needed to be more flexible than you are. You have to have a degree of flexibility. Yeah, you do. There is like a a range that you need to possess. It's much harder to get the older that you get. Oh, yeah. Significantly. It really is. And that's like starting jujitsu at a young age kind of keeps you flexible yeah, a lot of times. I, mean, I, I, I was flex, always kind of mm-hmm. kind of bendy that, that. But I was too. I always, yeah. you know, it never really we mattered. Because we were nerds. It was because we were nerds sitting with our legs crossed yes. playing video games. You know, we had to, had to defend ourselves from bullies somehow. Yeah, know. by flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> And, I don't know how that correlates, but. Yeah, I, I can see it. I could, there's something there. Yeah. Um, I could see... Um, shoot that, that, (laughs) that made me lose my train of thought on that one. Uh, I could, I could see how flexibility could help you against bullies. Um, no, I just could see with like guys like us that had really had certain physical attributes. You start to teach and you go, Oh, my guys don't have this, but they can actually get this idea to work even not being flexible. They just have to use something different or they have to do something a little bit different. And that really, for me was a big point that I started going, oh, I can't just teach so matter of fact that it has to be this way. It has to start. We have to do it differently. How long have you been teaching that way? Um, honestly, only for a few years, really. Me too. Like it's, it's a newer, newer thing. I, I taught, used to teach more like the standard way. Mm-hmm. You know, I think who really changed that was, oddly enough, Ben Askren. Yeah. Uh, he went on this rant once saying that, like, how jiu-jitsu schools are doing it wrong. Yeah. He's like, they're doing it wrong. And then, like, I started training with this wrestling coach that I was talk about, talking about, and, and he trains completely different as well. It's like mm-hmm. he's got this whole different system that what jiu-jitsu thinks, and I'm like, man, this might actually be better. Because, you know, that's the problem with traditional martial arts, which, you know, jiu-jitsu really is. It's like the, the traditional part of it. They want to keep it all the same mm-hmm. going forward. And then you get a sport like wrestling that's not traditional at all. And they'll adapt and take anything. They'll steal and take any method of doing it. But Ben Askren was more like, there needs to be more like active drilling 
Like mm-hmm. not just show the technique role. You know, you need to talk about the concepts. You need to talk about, you need to have guys drill this semi live. Like you need to build upon one technique on front of another. They can't just know one technique that fails. What do you do? Oh, well, that's next Tuesday or mm-hmm. that's a year from now where I'm going to start covering that. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, playing more around with the position and, and yeah, that relatively recent that I've done that. I've, I've put more of a emphasis on positional sparring and more of a, of an emphasis on, um, playful, more mm-hmm. live esque drilling, not necessarily live, and definitely not with my beginner guys. But mm-hmm. talking about the more advanced guys, like when we're drilling, we're kind of flowing through stuff and solving problems, you know, because that's really what wrestlers do. They play wrestle. They just go. They shoot at our legs. They play around, and then they 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 kind of figure stuff out on their own. So mop. Yes. Have we talked about designated winner? No, I don't think so. I didn't think so. No. And so this is. <laughs> a perfect this is not where i was going to finish with but this yeah. is a perfect uh uh thing on the podcast so something big that i've been talking about on the podcast for a little over a year now and we've been doing at my gym for probably two years uh is this training method and i always say that it's something that i'm noticing forward thinking gyms doing already but it doesn't have a name and so I uh, came up with a name, and we call it Designated Winner. Yeah. And what it is, is basically the simplest way to explain it is it's a positional spar, but one person wins every time. Yeah. And that person, the other person gives a certain percentage of resistance. Yeah. And so it gives it like more of a formula to be like, yeah. okay, so we're starting in this position um, and we are, you know, I'll teach some knee cut stuff. I'll teach some Toriando stuff and I'll go, okay, now we're going to go into um, De La Hiva and you're just going to get reps and the guy's going to give you 20%, 40% resistance, something like that. Does what you were talking about sound anything? Uh, it sounds identical. Yeah. yeah. That sounds, sounds identical. identical. Yep. Especially it, with my MMA fighters. We do like, you know, get ups and I'm like, all right, you're going to take the guy down and then you're going to let him get up, but you're not going to let him get up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a better way to put it. Designated winner. Designated winner. Notebook. And so, uh, don't worry, I'll text it to you. <laughs> um, so, uh, man, from a branding standpoint, designated winner, man. Shoot, you got uh, patent that. Yeah, I really should. I need to trademark that. I don't well, know you how. Can sue anytime. That's a good idea. You know? Hey, Bryce, Google how to how to <laughs> trademark something. Okay, uh, copyright, whatever, whatever that is. Um, but yeah. Designated winner, man. Yeah. Uh, that has been a just for me, and I and just like putting a name to it and explaining it to the people that listen to the show. I've gotten so many messages from coaches saying, "Wow, we did something similar," or coaches going, "I've never heard of anything like this. I want to implement it right now." And uh, to me, it's just it really is just a matter of understanding that there is a huge difference between performance and developing skills. And I think that most people just don't think of it that way. They think about their performance, especially jujitsu guys. Um, It could be the same for MMA, but I'm not good at speaking from that perspective. But for jujitsu guys, um, I think so much about their wins and losses in the gym each night, right? Which is, you know, which can be important, which can be something you can focus on. But they don't think about like what the best guys are doing. The people that are getting best in jujitsu are developing skills most of the time, yeah. and then they perform every once in a while. Yeah. You know, and then they you know they care about it when they're 
focused on performing, you know, oh, this is my hard day of training. Yeah. I want to win these rounds. You care if you lose Absolutely. those rounds and you should, but most of the other days you could lose every round. But if you cared more that you were developing skills, yeah. it wouldn't even matter to you. Yeah. Do you notice a ratio for your, well, let's say specifically for MMA and for jujitsu of those type of skill development drills versus how often you're actually having them train performance wise train yeah to the death like i said there's that one class yeah my tuesday night uh five o'clock class where i pretty much tell them this is not the time this is not the class for that but pretty much every other class that's emphasize that almost exclusively i'm like you guys need to just worry about and like i get tapped off on my students all the time when i'm trying to learn and pick up new stuff of course you know it's just like throw myself into the fire and you know, I think it's really important for the instructor to do that too. Because I don't know if uh, I've trained with some that have been like they cannot lose a round to their student. There's oh yeah, no way, and it's hundred percent all the time. But I mean, if they if your student sees you do something like that, and then like you're cool about it, it's no big deal. Not even angry about it. You yeah, go on. Maybe you put yourself right back in it to try uh -huh. and figure it out. Um, that's that's a, a a good way to spread that throughout your school. But yeah, it's the most important part of it. It's not. You, you're not trying to win every single round. There's like there should be certain classes where you are, right? Mm -hmm. Where okay, this is the class where we perform. You need to treat this like almost a competition. Like this. in jujitsu, it's easy, you know, because like you can go really hard and not get hurt. Uh -huh. If you put a bunch of advanced guys in a room together, because that's an invite class, I only let certain guys go to that class. You can kill each other, and nobody's gonna get hurt most of the time. Yeah, and MMA it's a little bit harder, but you don't really want to work on stuff when you're getting put that can result in you getting punched of in the course face. so you have to have lighter classes just for that where you guys are sparring but you're not really sparring and then you got your harder ones where nobody's ever going to work on stuff during the harder ones because they don't want to get they don't want to get their nose broke or, or blasted or knocked out or anything like that but yeah you, you need to have a really good ratio and i think you should spend way more time developing skills than you spend uh being competitive with your, your peers and your students. I really even think even in those competitive rounds, you should still be kind of lighthearted with it. You know, mm -hmm. like not too competitive. You're not trying to, you're not trying to beat uh, your training partner. You're trying to beat the guy that's gonna, that, that your training partner represents. Yeah. You know, it's totally yeah. different, totally different thing. But you just build an atmosphere where that's all okay. Mm -hmm. And then I think those are the schools that are doing really, really well. You know? I agree. Like, you know, we'll go back to Donaher because he's, he, I think he's a good staple point for Nogi Jiu Jitsu for, for like, you know, success is like, you know, they do a lot of positional sparring and, you know, you'll hear guys get tapped out left and right by guys that they would normally not get tapped out at. But he makes them do it because if you don't make them do or think like that, do things like that or think like that, they're always just going to try and win every single role like it's a competition. But if you're getting tapped out every day regardless, it's not as big of a deal. <coughs> No, no problem. Yeah, this is going to get better. I think, to me, I think that this will probably be a great place to start the next time you're on the show. Yeah, um, great time. But uh, let's just—I know you have to get going. You've got yeah. wh wh where is your? We're going to Iowa, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I got Jared Medley fighting. All um, right. And we were supposed to have a lot more people on the card, but it's the season of injuries, I guess. Oh right man, now, that, so that's never fun. Yeah. Do you have anything you would like to say to finish? Uh, well, you know, in regards to my recent cancellation, I know I offended a certain somebody 
very badly and resulted in my cancellation. I just wanted to take this time to not apologize for that at all <laughs> in any <laughs> way, shape, yeah. or form. And I would do it again if I could. <laughs> okay. I don't use know. your name, but I'm I not don't, allowed I to. I don't think I'm going to give any context <laughs> to the story to anyone who doesn't know. I think I'm just going to keep. Well, you don't want to get I'm, sued. I'm so, just going to shake my head up and down. Um, and uh, uh, well, I'm glad you went that way with it. Um, so if somebody if somebody enjoyed your perspective, enjoyed yeah. you know, kind of as you. The, the last time you're on the show, you know, we keep it pretty lighthearted and yeah. pretty fun. And I think um, people would enjoy that. Yeah. If they wanted to check out your YouTube channel, how would yeah. they do that? Well, it's Wolves and Training Center. Pretty simple. That's, That's simple. That's simple. easy. That's the name wolves of the gym. spelled like wolves. Yes. Not with an F, guys. Yeah. You went to your parent. The government makes you go to school. All yeah. right. They teach you a thing called spelling, you know. Wolves is with a V, not with an F. Okay, so with the so I was actually um, it's funny that you started doing that. I went to private school and I <laughs> also wasn't sure of this. So I know it's wolves, but then is it wolves apostrophe after the S? S apostrophe. S apostrophe. Okay, that's what yeah. I thought. All right, it's, so it's possessive. Yeah. So yes. the, the I have a journalism degree. Ooh, exactly. Uh, do you, you know? do you do you use that? No, no. <laughs> you used it now. You used it right there it when you. Right, I use it to correct people online. <laughs> <laughs> I use it to win arguments. <laughs> exactly. I use it to out research my opponents in discussions that don't really matter to anything. That that makes sense. And how often have you been have you been posting consistently mm -hmm. on the Wolf's Den uh, YouTube channel? For about five months now. Four All or five right. Months, yeah been a little less consistently consistent recently with the new gym stuff because obviously like i said i edit everything so yeah. we've been churning out like one episode a month mm -hmm. but uh hopefully uh once everything settles down i'll be churning out two two to three a month what's the next episode uh let's see i just went to iowa i think strange hands is the next episode i thought we already did strange hands no 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 i haven't i haven't no no, no i mean i meant that's gonna be released like it'll be a full episode documenting that i haven't had that out yet you haven't nope it's been it's holy smokes so i could have said stuff yeah. that i didn't realize that i said on that one yeah we oh, don't wow. know yet it's good they're going to release well, that interview is in there we're almost oh, done editing gosh so, i thought that that had passed i think fuji and strange chances the fuji tournament that we had we did a while ago and strange chances last content no so we're actually we're about we're a few months behind um it was running a month behind, but like I said, the new gym happens. So we're running a couple, a few months behind now. So uh, that's what I'm saying. We're going to try and bust out a bunch of those. Man. Coming up. Yep. Well, that's exciting. I look mm -hmm. forward to it. I hope that I don't get canceled like you were for a while. I mean, I think I still am canceled. Not here. Not here. Not yeah. here. No. But no, no, you no. were canceled here for a bit. Yeah, we had to let the controversy die down. We did. You know, we there did. were posters. There was mean, rude comments. I can only imagine. There was photoshopping. What, I can only imagine what that sound bite gets me. Yeah, there were memes at the end of this. At the end of this episode, probably a lawsuit. Probably, Bryce, <laughs> Bryce. You may have to. Uh, I need you to copyright designated winner, and I need you to to edit that part out. Okay, yeah, edit that part out. Send it to me though, because I'm gonna put that in. That's going right on my Instagram. <laughs> All right, Mop, thank you for yeah, being on the show, man. I appreciate man. it. Always enjoy talking to you, buddy. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, and I, I look forward it. to the next one, whether it's 
in your studio or in mine. Yeah, uh, that'd be look, awesome. Look forward to the next one, buddy. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Yeah. We're good, Bryce? All right. Yeah, I thought it went great, man. Yeah, I thought so, too. We're nervous. Bryce, so. did you think so? Yeah. Or did you hate it? We did terrible. You don't have to lie to us. But when you work for me, you have to. You'll have to uh, <laughs> lie to us consistently. Um. Yeah, I think when you yeah when we trade you, uh, we, Welcher, we're gonna trade you for Joel. Uh, yeah. Joel Getters, man. Joel doesn't. Joel doesn't lift anymore. Joel trains at Donovan. What? Too. When? Uh, I didn't know about that. Like a month ago. Damn. His uh, girlfriend got a got like a job at a place there, and they just moved right down there. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What's the? He's like messages me all the time about Nick Ortiz. He always hangs out with Nick Ortiz. Like apparently Nick Ortiz has taken a liking to him, so I figure. Nick Ortiz probably has really bad hygiene as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. But yeah, he moved down there. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Yep. Very awesome. How do you feel about it? I'm fine. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Go for it. I got, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident in my, the staple that I have right here. That's of course. And like we've just been adding a lot more athletes. Mm hmm. Got a staple of, of soon to be blue belts, so I think we're gonna do pretty well. I, I I guess I mean, how do you feel about it? Considering like he's at a point that he he probably should just stay. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Probably. You're, he's not going to lift unless he's anything like that. I get that. That's not him. Yeah. When he 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 lost to uh, what's his name. Andy, Mor Andy, Andy, Andy Morella? Andy Morella. Yeah. Morella, yeah, Morella. And he walks off the mat and he goes, this is just one roadblock in my path to one day be Gordon Ryan. <laughs> All right. All right, Joel. I like that. So, yeah, he's moving there. You know, he, you know, who knows? It could be, yeah. It could, you know, a few cycles of steroids. Mm -hmm. It could be you the move. You do really well. You probably could. Yeah. <laughs> you probably would do great. how fucking strong that dude would be yeah. on steroids. Everybody already thinks he's on steroids. Like other gyms are all like, look at that guy. He's on steroids. Look at his back. Oh, look dude. how strong he is. And I'm like, well, his back is from terrible height. Yeah, he just doesn't shower. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. He cool. could. Steroids probably do Joel really, really well. I do. Like, He's got such a physical style. Well, I mean, some guys don't have that physical style. They don't really need it as much. For sure. You know, and then there's guys with a really physical style like Joel. Yeah. Joel would be scary. I'll say this. One time, Joel heel hooked me, and he wasn't even in the position to heel. He literally just pinched his knees around my leg while I had, like, I think I had, I had, I think I And that is the episode. I just want to thank you guys for checking this one out. Thank you to Mop for being on this episode. Like I said in the episode, I will make sure to link his latest YouTube uh, vlog. I, they're really fun to watch. And uh, yeah, I think you guys will like them. You'll like the guest starring Josh McKinney in his latest uh, 
latest YouTube blog and um, even fighting a head nod guy, one of his guys is. And so I'll let you guys check that one out. It's a, it really is good. Um, and yeah, thank you to Mop for being on the show. I can't wait to have um, Mop and hopefully Sean on the show next time we get the chance to. Obviously, Mop didn't ask before he volunteered Sean, but hey, it's not my problem. You know, that's, I don't know how their relationship works, um, but hopefully we can get both of those guys on the show. I think that would be a very fun episode. And that's kind of, um, you know, at some point this year, that's going to be a big theme that we run with is kind of the coach and student relationship. Uh, I think it's a unique relationship and one, I'm going to be able to talk to some of my students, uh, maybe even some of my students that aren't black belts and, um, that'll be really fun. But then also getting to talk to other coaches, uh, maybe some really high level coaches and get to talk to some of their main students and the main people they've been working with. And so be on the lookout for those episodes. Once again, thank you to mop for being on the show and uh thank you for your heartfelt apology at the end of the episode mom and uh yeah that's all i have for you guys today i hope you guys enjoyed this one make sure don't forget 50 percent off going on for the entire month of may on every single course at simplifyingjujitsu.com with promo code new studio and that's all I have for you guys today. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you laughed some in today's episode. That was really a big purpose of it. And most importantly, I hope that today's episode helps you guys suck just a little bit less at jujitsu. Have a great day, guys.